We are here once again for one of our world famous, <laughs> highly sought after. Am I? Am I? Is the, is my? Yeah. Grandi- well, we missed the we missed the last two, so I don't know how is highly my, sought after we're going to be. So is my grandiosity getting? Is my grandiosity getting the better of us here? Well, we'll try. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. The- but we missed the last couple of weeks, but we're back. So we'll see what uh, how it comes today. We're going to talk about anxiety and anger and, and, you know, how that shows up in relationships and how if you can't show your anger, it builds up as resentment. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of us who weren't allowed to show our anger when we're younger get into a partnership. And because we're, we, we can't show our anger, we just build up all this resentment inside yeah. of us. And then it just rots the relationship from the inside. And so then it turns I, into rage. Yeah. And then it comes out in really interesting ways. And then... In, that whole trauma gets passed down to our next generation, doesn't it? Yep. And so now so, we, we end up having this weird dysfunctional kind of relationship with anger itself. And then what do we do with it? We, we stuff it away, we suppress it, and that separation from these angry parts of ourselves, now we have anxiety, we have depression, we have these chronic depressive disorders, we have chronic pain, we have uh, digestive issues, and no pill is going to resolve it because of our kind of weird dysfunctional relationship with anger. So I thought, you know, this would be whenever you text me and say, hey, what do we yeah. talk about tomorrow? I'm like, I just go back to the conversation we're having in our Cycle Breakers community. And so anger was a big topic this week. So I thought anxiety yeah. and anger. So let's I, have at it. It's great because I remember when I used to prescribe antidepressants anti, uh, to people. Mm-hmm. And basically, I'm just putting another numb layer on their anger. Right. Right. So it's just like yeah. you're just sort of, you know, putting, you're festering the wound. You're, you're allowing that wound to kind of just fester underneath that mm-hmm. if you don't deal with it specifically and directly. And yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, relationships have such a difficult time is mm-hmm. that, that one or both of the partners have this suppressed anger totally. and they can't, they can't share it with each other. They can't share it with each other, first of all, because they don't know, because we don't know what to do with it internally. And I do want to qualify this this is watching a YouTube video or even showing up at a clubhouse room or even a Facebook live or um, even just talking about it at the therapist's office does not resolve it. There is a special, uh, you know, as we go into somatic work and really understand and see what anger really is. There's there's a special directing of that energy. It's energy. It's activation energy. It's a necessary biological function that we've been conditioned to to numb, to push away, to suppress, to hide. And that separation from our angry parts gets displaced onto other people and that's really where a lot of anxiety and depression is and chronic depressive disorders are. Yeah, because it shows up like the energy's got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the analogy that I like to draw is like holding an inflated beach ball two or three feet underwater. Yes. It takes an incredible amount of energy to do it. You can get used to it mm-hmm. and you can hold that beach ball underneath it's exhausting. the water, but it's t- amazingly tiring. And if mm-hmm. you can't, and then what will happen is that you let the beach ball go and all of a sudden it just fires up right and then people and because you don't have any training about how to process it or you don't have a kind of like an empathetic witness or or proper 
community container to do that. Um, you don't know what to do with that, that you get scared and then you're like, oh my gosh, I have all this anger. Now, like uh, we hear this a lot with our, our students is that, you know, I, I didn't think I was angry and now it's like been coming out over the last few weeks because they've been burying it for like yes, 40 years yeah, yeah. and now they have it for three weeks and they're like, what's wrong with me? This isn't yeah. working because I'm angry. I'm like, no, no, this is actually working. It's, it's supposed to be coming up. It's coming up so that it can leave and alchemize. And so we don't really know what to do with it. We have so much judgment about our angry parts themselves. And this is the conversation that needs to happen if you really want to heal from anxiety because quite, quite, Honestly, it could be uh, un uh, like repressed rage. That's yeah. you don't have anxiety. You have repressed rage. You don't have chronic illness. You have repressed rage, yeah. displaced rage. Yeah. So if it doesn't, and it, and if you don't find a way of releasing that, because often in childhood our anger wasn't welcomed by our parents because mm -hmm. their parents didn't welcome anger in them. Right. So it just gets handed down from, from, you know, cycle to cycle, from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we don't know what to do with it when it comes up. So we go passive aggressive a lot of times. We don't, we don't, you know, share what we need to share because we're afraid of our, our partner's anger. Right. Right. And, and, and of course, you know, like I, I, in my marriage right now, you know, I get, when I get angry, uh, it's not like, you know, she, it's not like Diana's all excited about that. It's not like she goes, oh, yeah. sounds like you're angry. Please, you know, Great let it out, yeah. let it out. And, and, you know, she's like, you know, go on your one of your runs. She's like, go. Yeah. She's like, leave. Right. So yeah. that's a common experience in uh, because, you know, she she she's not she's not there yet. She doesn't do this type of work. And, uh, you know, so interestingly enough, it's like we uh, I've oftentimes people ask me, do you guys like do the work together? And my wife uh -huh. is totally not. <laughs> She's completely, I mean, she, she's very uh, embodied and she's willing to take ownership, but she doesn't do the work that I teach or do. And I don't, I kind of keep that separate. I tell her about it. She listens, but she doesn't actually integrate her shadows and do that stuff. And, and I love her as she is, you know, and, and she's, she's, I've, I've brought her into my life to help me heal my wounds. And so we, we've, we've said that this, this relationship will be a place that we heal together. So, um, what I, my point of that is that ang our anger isn't usually met by people who just let us express it. Do they? Right. Do we? Yeah. Yeah. They're scared of it too. And especially in childhood. Yeah. Especially when we were kids, because anger is a protective emotion, right? Not mm. rage, but anger is a protective emotion. And if you keep not being able to protect yourself, it will turn to rage mm. because that energy's got to go somewhere, mm -hmm. or it will turn into physical injuries. Yes. You know, yeah. like I see so many people who come in now, and I look back at my medical practice, people that would come in with like chronic shoulder issues, and I would look at their x rays and their MRIs and stuff, and it's like there's nothing wrong with your yeah. shoulder, yeah. right? Yeah, it's and emotional. It's like, I know now, I know now, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of thing, but back then I thought, okay, well, let's. You know, try another anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Let's try, you know, Lyrica. Let's try Gabapentin. It's you when know, the doctor says all it's stuff. all in your head and you feel yeah. invalidated. Yeah. I mean, it's what they're saying is based on my training, there's nothing physical that I can say. It must be right. emotional and I don't know what to do about it. Instead of them saying that, they'll say, oh, it's just all in your head. And it is kind of, it's in true. a way. It's true. It is. 
because it, a lot of it is a, a lot of it is like you haven't processed it mm. maybe through your head maybe through your body or yeah. whatever but you haven't come and people will hold on to that chronic pain mm-hmm. because it's easier to hold on to a chronic pain physical pain mm-hmm. than it is to actually allow that emotional pain to come back oh yes 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 yeah. so consider the possibility that your anxiety is a distraction from mm-hmm. the rage is a distraction from the grief is a distraction from the rejection because it's actually easier to just say to blame the anxiety or to blame the shoulder than it is to actually feel the yeah. painful emotions of <laughs> of rage of of rejection of all of those things in our shadows that we've been conditioned to think that it to believe that is not um, appropriate. It's not yeah. good girls don't get angry. Good boys, yeah. uh, you know, so it, it's like, you know, you're, if you're new here, my name is Dr. Nima Romani, and I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Russell Kennedy. Dr. Russ is a medical doctor. I'm a chiropractor. I've been in practice for 20 years. Russ has been in practice We're for- We're both 80, retired now. But Russ, is, Russ has been in practice for 97 years, and he's yep. now- um, I'm gonna get out of it. Russ is yeah. really, really fucking old, and yeah. so I just want to- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just it's just, just another time attempt to yeah. throw him under the bus. We yeah. what what I'm saying is we've we've been around the block a few times and we've noticed it's funny because we didn't know each other just we just met each other just a few years ago. Um and it's fascinating to me that I've met a medical doctor who I usually would see as our enemy because I'm more in the chiropractic wellness kind of field right. who, who's got it, who got that the traditional approach doesn't address the core wound. And, and, and I was seeing that in my practice, we were both seeing it. And so we started these conversations on the phone that have now evolved to these weekly chats on uh, Clubhouse. And we literally totally have found the root cause and we address it in our own unique way. But but you, welcome to this conversation if you're brand new. And we'd like to welcome you to come up and ask any questions if you do. Um, but every week, our commitment is to help people get to the root cause of of illness mental physical uh, so that we can have the conversation of healing right russ yeah and i think that's it and and providing something that's different than traditional therapy too i think that's one of the reasons why i love doing this room with you is that is that we get to provide an alternative experience for people that maybe go through the medical profession and don't really get the answers they need because it is easier like i said on some level i put easier in quotation marks Mm. to to um assume a physical illness or assume a physical pain mm-hmm. than it is to go back, you know, and find that seven year old whose <sighs> parents were yelling at yeah. each other all day. Yeah. You know? You remember you remember um what was her name? The, 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 that woman that uh came up into the hot seat when we did our event in Vancouver a few years back. Kyla? Kyla, exactly. Yeah, okay. I forgot. Yeah. So it's interesting because this is a perfect example. Um, she walked up to me at a seminar that I was teaching, I was doing at the CBC in in, uh, in Vancouver, and she said, do you remember me? And I said, no. Should I? And immediately she goes, I was your patient like eight years ago. And then immediately my uh-oh. voice was like, uh-oh, what the fuck did I do now? <laughs> like, did, Are you going to complain? Yeah, What's going yeah. on? My, my mind went straight there. And she goes, I was coming in with neck pain and three visits, three visits in, I was feeling no relief. And you told me, well, what's going on in your life? Like what's happening? And, 
it freaked me out at the time and I was like, this guy's trying to get into my head. I'm never going right. to get come back to him. So she stopped seeing me yeah. as her chiropractor because I was trying to expose something that she wasn't ready to face. And here she is eight years later in my audience as a guest of the organizer. She's the, she's the stepmother of the guy who was organizing. And he was like, hey, I got a free ticket. Do you want to come to this event? She comes and she goes, oh shit, that it's guy, him. it's him. It's, it's that the guy. guy. So she sat through my painful talk and then she approaches me afterwards. She's like, fuck, uh, you nailed it back then. I wasn't ready. I am now. And so she came to the workshop. She, she did. She came to the workshop and we took her back into those painful childhood wounds. She released a ton of that rage. We started working together and her neck pain improved. Her anxiety improved. Her, uh, her, um, uh, d diverticulitis and digestion went away and I never physically touched her because we went into the attachment trauma. And so that's a huge story I remember of how yeah. resistant we are. T t oh, can we talk yeah. about that? Uh, how oh, resistant yeah. we are to actually addressing when you're like, oh, let's just talk about my anxiety. And it's like, no, this is actually about the rage that you feel. No, 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 no. Let's just talk about my anxiety. Can yeah. you t touch upon that a little bit, Russ? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it becomes a coping strategy when you're younger. If you don't have anger, you know, if your anger isn't accepted, if you don't have a place to put it, um, you will develop, you'll go into your head, especially if you have trauma that's in your body, you know, mm. that's, that's, it's not being it's shown up or healed or whatever, or even addressed by your parents. It's so hard to go back into that place of, of feeling helpless and, and, you know, powerless, that what you'll do is you'll go up into your head. And when you go up into your head and start thinking, it does give you some temporary l relief in, in that sort of dissociative state where you go into your mind and overthink and ruminate and worry and all that kind of thing. So it, it, it becomes this sort of um, uh, coping strategy or mm. defensive accommodation to worry. And then when you worry, you actually make the uncertain a little bit more certain. Mm -hmm. uh, so you get a little bit of dopamine from the mesolimbic dopamine system. So it's kind of like, hey, I'm kind of on the right track. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're no, not. You're not. To you're, be on the right is, track, we got to go back and address the anger itself. Yeah. Which, is why, which is why anxiety builds on itself. Because yeah. it does, it does actually in the short term have a, a temporary re relieving effect. Yeah, but I'm gonna hide. I'm gonna avoid. Yeah, you exactly. get safety out of the avoidance. Yes, right. It's yeah. like, oh no, I've got safety. I'm gonna avoid it. And then what happens when you avoid it? You survived. You're still alive. Yes. You're yeah. you're like, oh my god, I avoided it. And I'm still alive. It worked. But then what happens is your 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 life gets smaller and mm -hmm. smaller and smaller and pretty soon you're not able to even leave the house and yep. go outside or get on a plane and get on a plane yeah and or so, go to a social event all that yeah, kind it's of really stuff. sad to see uh, yeah. the, the the very reason why we can't is the very reason why we must exactly and one of the things i really loved was one of your um uh reels or your facebook or your instagram videos where you were like we have to actually move towards what mm -hmm. we fear got to move towards it because when we do the um uh what was it part Perry of the aqueductal gray there, no no there was this something in the middle Ugh. 
you get this xiphoid nucleus. nucleus. The xiphoid nucleus starts to fire when you move towards the thing that you're afraid of and then you live, even though you have the fear. It's like going into a haunted house. You're like, I'm not going into the, like it's like going into like the, um, in Halloween where they have those haunted houses. Like I'm not going in there. Well, when you go in there and you experience the fright and then you come through on the other side, you were terrified, but you have this exhilarating feeling of, of uh, exhilarating feeling of, oh my God, I fucking did it. What more can I do? Your, your courage gets rewarded. But if you don't, your, your cowardice gets rewarded and it's such a mind fuck. It gets reinforced. Reinforced. Excuse me. Yeah. 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 So basically when you move away from what scares you, you secrete this chemical called bradykinin, which basically makes you even more afraid. You also secrete adrenaline and cortisol, which puts you into a survival state. And when you're in a survival state, uh, in your mind and your body, your brain evolutionarily starts looking for threat. And if there is no threat in your immediate environment, which you know, most of us, there's no threat. You no, know, unless you're being chased by yeah, unless you're being exactly. chased by a tiger or someone. You're you're on Sopranos in New Jersey yeah, and you have exactly. somebody after. Trying to whack you. whack you. Then, then you go up into your head and you go, okay, well, obviously I feel uh, a th- there's a threat because there's where that sense of impending doom comes mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Obviously I feel a threat. So how can I make this real? So basically you just start worrying about shit because that makes the threat real. <laughs> yeah. So here's the short, here's the short Validating the sensations. Yeah. So the short version of that is when you move towards something, you secrete dopamine and, uh, you know, positive chemicals, your own body's natural morphine. But mm-hmm. when you move away from something, you secrete bradykinin, uh, um, epinephrine and uh, cortisol, which basically puts you in a survival state, which makes which makes it more likely that you're going to stay in that survival yeah. state and reinforce it. So it's really about moving towards, but you need a guide. Yes. Like you need somebody like, you know. Yeah. yeah, you and I, or somebody yeah. who 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 is let you know, you, somebody you know. feel safe, somebody you feel safe with, right? So it, this is the key: is that uh, Joseph Campbell says, "The cave you fear entering holds the treasure you seek." You seek. Yeah. The cave you fear entering holds the treasure you seek, right? And so let's hear, uh, Sonia. Welcome. You have a question. It's good to have oh, you, my dear. Jesus. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. It's Nima and Russ. Nima and Russ. You don't have to. I understand how that. I understand how you could mistake us. I understand how you could mistake us. But just please call us Nima and Russ. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know. I can listen to you guys all day. It's funny how Russ and I both jumped on that at the same time. Hey, that was so good. I love that. We're such grandiose narcissists. Please go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> this this stuff is mind blowing. It really is. Uh, cool. Thank you for holding the space. And you know, I'm definitely a work in progress, and I'm fascinated by all this. And cool. a lot of it is just, I don't know. I guess my let me just see if I can frame this as a question. Yeah. Um, for example, when I was a kid, I always would be sad and depressed, and and it mm-hmm. was a safety thing for me. It yes. felt normal, and I was just very familiar. expressive. Familiar. With it. Yeah. It was familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And I would see people around me suppressing their emotions and they would, it would manifest into physical things. And right. that's never been my thing. But then you, when you said the thing about living it, going into your head, that re- really sent something to me. So I know I have lived in my head most of my life, mm-hmm. but I never felt anger 
or anxiety. I always thought I'm a depressive person. Yes. Mm. Until I had kids. And then <laughs> all of this anger came up. Mm. I felt angry all the time. And mm. I noticed through my son who has anxiety, oh, I'm anxious. Mm. I never fucking knew it until I got into my late 30s. Yeah. I'm like, where did these two things come from? Mm -hmm. And now I hardly ever feel sad, maybe sometimes. I used to cry every day, for example. Mm -hmm. Now I mm -hmm. don't really cry that much. But then the anger and anxiety came in. <laughs> and it's just interesting. So do all three live in you and then they just rear their ugly heads? Or do they morph into different things at different times? Or like how... What what is the truth? I'll, 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 t I'll start with I'll start with the answer sure. and then pass it on to Russ. But just from what thanks for sharing that, by the way, Sonia, it's it's really important uh, that we have real life examples that are very vulnerable uh, so we can kind of make sense of all of it. And so the, the truth of the matter is we have angry parts to us. You know, there's no way that you've grown up in in a world where we we didn't have trauma-informed parents who understood the insidious nature of trauma, who, you know, we had to have the experience of, like, working for love, you know? Like, uh, I have to work. Like, what do I have to do to feel love? Like, who do I have to be because who I am is not lovable? What character do I have to play to, 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 to get my needs met? And so deep down, the child inside of us feels really angry about that. Right, Sonia? Like, there's, it's impossible to not, to not exp experience that, right? But the question is, how did we, how were we met by that anger? How was that met? Or maybe if we express that anger, we, it, it resulted in us having even further detachment. So what we do is we, that anger turns inward, so we don't express it to mom and dad because that's going to result in a d further detachment. So in order to survive, in order to protect ourselves, Sonia, you likely turn that anger towards yourself, right? And so that is, that is um, displaced anger internally. And that's what depression is, is anger turned inward, which is totally makes sense. My sense is, and Russ, tell me what you, know, you think of, of your sure. situation here is, after we have kids, and I, I have a, a 20 month old, so I really, I, I share what you felt. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I saw my son and I thought, how is it? that you can take this innocent child and not give him the validation and you know you start grieving what you didn't have as a child right sonia and you all of a sudden started to feel the anger towards the younger parts of yourself is what i'm kind of sensing oh my, within yeah. you does and that towards my mother yeah. and to, exactly I, that towards your mother, mother for not like, exactly <laughs> How could you have not supported me emotionally yeah. the way that a child deserves? And so when we have our children, our childhood woundings will come up. The question is, we haven't been equipped with the tools of what to do when they come up. So that, exactly. so that depression then turned to anger. And then you're like confused and suppress that. And then it turns to anxiety. And so the good news is when you have the right guide and community, that can all be turned around. Does that land for you? Oh my gosh, yeah, totally. Russ, what do you think for, for, for that one? Yeah, I mean, I think, Sonia, when, when we have kids, we actually revisit our own childhoods, right? So mm -hmm. if you had a, a childhood where you couldn't express, which, you know, when I read your system, I, I do have this sense that you couldn't express to your parents. Not so, at all, yeah. Yeah, so, so when we get that, we relive that same feeling 
And then if, if we can't bring that to fruition, then in anxiety, in, in sympathetic activity, we go the other way. We go into dorsal shutdown, parasympathetic. Shut down. Yeah. What does that mean? I'm sorry. Well, it basically means like, so there's two wings of the autonomic nervous system. There's the sympathetic, which is often called fight or flight. Mm. And then there's the parasympathetic, which is often called rest and digest. Okay. Now, what happens is that we will go initially, the way, the way I usually explain it is, imagine a child getting lost in a store, like separated from their parents. Initially, what will happen is they'll go into this sympathetic activity where they'll get really frantic and try and find their parents. Now, if they find their parents, that sympathetic activity comes down again. But if they don't find their parent, then they'll go into this shutdown where they'll just like, they'll start, they'll start crying. They'll sort of maybe, you know, curl up in a corner. So that's kind of an analogy to what happens. So when we're younger, we initially try to make this connection with our parents through the sympathetic, through the activation. But if it's fruitless, if we don't get that connection that we need, then we shut down and then we go into depression. So Mm -hmm. what I think happens with you is that how old are your kids now? Um, now they're 13 and 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. when did, when did the anxiety start for you? How old were you? How, how old um, were you? Uh, it was not long ago that I noticed it because my son was diagnosed as having selective mutism. Okay. And, uh, you know, based on anxiety and a lot of that. Right. And, then I, and, and it just kind of opened my eyes. I guess when he was about five or six or seven, I started realizing like, Oh, I'm like that too, or I've done that too. Like, yeah. it just, mm. and I didn't even realize I was anxious at yeah. all. But now that I yeah. know I am, I feel it so much. I'm like, fuck, yeah. why did I yeah. let, <laughs> why did I open well, I'm gonna, that? Well, I'm going to just tag one more thing on there and then throw it back to you. But, you know, there's a reason why you're a voice actor because <laughs> basically uh, you hold a lot of alarm in your throat. You know, when I, mm. when I look at your system, right? So, so when you're feeling anxious, really, I'd love you to put your hand over your throat and just really reassure that little, you know, five, six, seven-year-old that she is, she does have a voice. Yeah. She Aww. is being heard. She yeah. is being heard. And allow that sort of, you know, the anxiety or whatever to come out through here. Because the sadness for her comes from just the futility of not yeah. being seen, heard, and loved or perceived that she was seen, heard, and loved. Yeah. So there's a reason why you're a voice actor, which is to try and, you know, express, to express through your voice. And there's a reason why your son has selective mutism for the mm-hmm. same reason, because it's a family, it's a family inherited pattern for you. Yeah. And oh. it's not about genetics. Yeah. It's not yeah. about genetics either. It's about, yeah. see, this is the one thing that really gets my goat being a, being, you know, having this experience of a mother who um, really wanted to be helpful and uh, want to um, help and, and do psychotherapy and all that for her kid. But it's really, I want every parent to see this. This is a really important piece that uh, of the trainings that I do with our cycle breakers is that it's not about the child in front of you. It's about the kid inside of you. Hmm. And and this is really the key is that please write this out. It's never about the child in front of you. It's about the kid inside of you. So what parents will do is the kid will have all these symptoms and, you know, being a loving mom, you're like, oh my God, let's get him therapist. And all psychotherapists do often is, you know, is a form of invalidating or gaslighting the child who's doesn't feel safe. And it's not to blame parents, but it's to really 
highlight the family system, the energy that's happening in the family system that gets downloaded from these unresolved wounds onto the kid. (laughs) And so the best gift that you can give an anxious child is to do your own healing work. And it'll be the one thing you'll avoid because it's just easier. I've had my clients say, I just want to throw money at it and send them to a shrink. (laughs) And I'm like, no, that's not what's going to helpful. And so when they jump in and they really commit to doing the work, they heal with the kid inside of them immediately. Now you can lead the child as their mother much more effectively because you've learned how to lead yourself. So that's your work, my dear. Okay, I love you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Sonia. Beautiful question. It's time. It's time. Beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. You know what? What I would add into that is like you know, turn the kid inside of you into the child in front of you. Yeah. Right. So that you can actually see them. And sometimes when I do meditations with people or take them through a process, I get them. Can you see your child's eyes like Mm. that child? Because you know the amygdala has no sense of time. Mm-hmm. So basically, when you get triggered, you go back to that two-year-old, five-year-old, eight-year-old, yeah. ten-year-old, and then so find them and show them that you're actually they're actually not there anymore mm-hmm. because their amygdala feels like they're still there. Yeah. So if you can bring them into the present moment and show them, hey, look at all the stuff we've done. You know, we've become a medical doctor, we've become a comedian. We've done, yeah. show them all the stuff because they don't know. Right. That child in you is still stuck there. And it's easier set. Like, I mean, I, I've done these rooms so many times now to the point where we've worked with people and it literally is almost impossible unless you have a guide and a community like guiding you. Because if this is the first time you're doing it, you hear it, then they pe- people try it. They're like, well, my child didn't want to talk to me or right. I couldn't see them or they felt frozen. What do I do then? And this is where training and this is where guidance and this is where, you know, you got to treat yourself like you're, you know, all like you are investing in in your own child you got to invest in the child inside of you and so it's easier to say yeah turn around and talk to that kid and just put your hand on your chest and and then reality are you gonna do it as the clubhouse chat or a facebook video going to actually help you without showing up in the container and doing it unfortunately it doesn't so yeah. it's really important to to not just say, hey, it's time. And this is what I've, I've done. I just did a, a webinar uh, just recently and uh, just a couple, couple of days ago, actually. And everybody on the thing is like, I'm ready to break the cycle. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. And it's like every single person who I've seen, I've done this a hundred times. They're like, yeah. well, I'm ready. I'm oh, yeah. ready. I know what you're going to say. They never, I've actually never seen somebody who's like, it's time. I'm ready. Actually take the step. You want to know who does it? The ones who are silent, they don't talk about it because they're like, fuck, I really get what this is. And it's scary because the ones who are excited and like, I'm ready, it's time. They actually never do it. (laughs) They they don't do it because because that's their pleaser parts. They're like, I want to please them. I want to make I want to make you got you happy. And I'm going to activate those parts of me who are pleasers. So I'm going to say it. But saying it and actually living it are two different things. I think they want to get back. I think people want to get better. It's just mm-hmm. like, are you willing to go into that old pain? No. Which is basically what it comes... Yeah, which is when, you know, when, when the rubber hits the road, when people have to actually, you know, you like you say about the elevator, it's like, well, don't... I'm afraid of elevators. Like, don't make me get in an elevator. Well, 
that's exactly what but we do it in a, in a titrated fashion, yes, right? Yeah, like yeah. we find a place in your body that's safe as well as a place in your body that's alarmed. And, and then we kind of move it, move it back and forth. It's kind of like the stages of change. I, I got to research what they are. One of them's contemplation, right? When we get into right. the thing, it's like, I know that I got to do something. So you're in that contemplative phase, right? But that's, there's not there, you know, what are the, if, if you can look, look them up, uh, Sorry, if you can look them up dog. right now, what are the, st- there's like six stages of change. So this is, you know, we see this all the time on Clubhouse and Facebook Live. People are like, I'm so ready to break the cycle. And you look and you're like, all right, no, they're actually in contemplation. You know, the co- yeah. contemplation is one of them. But once you actually commit and you start to set the schedule to do it, you actually register for the event, you do it, there's a huge gap between that and actually registering and taking action. But one of the things that must happen is a form of re-traumatization. So whenever you we level up, we must confront all of the old identity that says, oh my God, it's not safe, are you kidding yeah. me? So you gotta actually walk in with the fear there's got to be this this desire and go look it's going to be feel scary i'm doing it regardless because i don't want to pass this on to my kids because i don't want to get cancer i don't want to get yeah. this worse and so it's got to be action not talk and you will that that's the thing is that you will be supported it is that kind of you know jump and the net will appear but like the neurophysiology is like when you move towards it you will start creating this endogenous morphine in your brain in your body you will start creating this dopamine that says hey we're on the right track there is something and huberman talks about this and mm-hmm. huberman talks about when you're feeling like you're on the right track that keeps you going and it feeds your courage but yeah. if you move away from it like if you like like every time that you know that you're supposed to do this work and you move away a little bit of you gets chipped and which which I think is helpful in a way because it takes you to that that almost that rock bottom place that people need to get to before they go those are the people yeah. the, the rock bottom quiet people are the ones that go okay I, I yeah, got to do this it, the, yeah. the ones where I like I'll, I'll have a, a webinar and I'm so ready to bro I'm so ready <laughs> I'm like nope they're not going to do it they're yeah. definitely not the I one who's quiet yeah. the one who doesn't say shit yeah and they're just like oh my gosh like i i see what what the work is like they're not excited because when you really understand what it takes to break the cycle that you were born into when you really understand what it takes to heal with those painful angry lost uh unworthy shameful parts there's a lot of grief when we see them it's just heartbreaking and unless our current reality is intolerable to us, yes. we're not going to sign up to feel those things because we've been spending all our lives avoiding all of those things, which is why we're anxious in the first place. So yeah. it's such a mindfuck, this, this uh, healing game, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. People too, wanted the pain-free version. Yeah. People want. I want to heal, yeah. but I don't want to feel scared. I want to hear, but I don't want to have to go through those painful parts in the past. I'm sorry, yeah. sweetheart. It doesn't work that way, does it? You got to fail it to hail it. That's just how it works. You got to fail it to hail it. So it really is. And and sometimes we do people a disservice by sort of giving them a little uh, uh, boost of connection because it's just enough. You know, it's like I remember going on a road trip with one of my buddies years ago and and we uh, we stopped at a bank machine and, and, you know, 
you know, we're drinking and stuff. This is like 25 years ago. Uh, and he gets out 20 bucks in the bank machine. And I said, well, that'll probably get you to the next bank machine. Exactly. Like, I, you know, like we're, we're on a road trip. We're yeah, they're like, here, oh, right? thank you for the, yeah. thank you for the clubhouse. Listen, yes. I feel heard. I got my yeah. hit of dopamine. I'm yeah. going to do something about it. And then three weeks later, six months later, oh, by the way, remember that clubhouse chat? Did you take yeah. any forward action? Did you invest in your, nope. Well, here's the other thing, bud, too. Like, here's the other thing, too, is that sometimes people need to hear this a number of times before they actually see that there's a different pathway. Because I think traditional therapy has has indoctrinated us into believing that Mm -hmm. medication, talk therapy, Mm -hmm. uh, CBT, ACT, or even if they've done like Landmark and Demartini, they still feel like hoodwinked because I've done those things and here I am still scared or maybe even went to a coach that you had like a bad experience with. And so now you have even more reason not to trust and they right. felt bad because they finished, you know, I've seen so many people that go through like three months or six months of CBT and they said, I, w- I did that two years ago and it helped at the time, but now my anxiety is actually worse than it was before I started the CBT, mm. which kind of tr- takes you down this garden path that you can heal this, you know, anxiety, whatever it is, through a cognitive perspective. Yeah, and now, it's linear. That will help you. And then and, it's yeah, linear. That's the other thing. Too. Yeah, it's going to happen like stepping up like, no, it goes down, it's a spiral, you keep going back around and... Yeah, and it'll help you, you know, no doubt. And uh, what I noticed with my own healing from chronic anxiety was that the cognitive pieces started to fit in, like what I used to say to you, fill in the floorboards as I was getting better. It wasn't, it wasn't like the cognitive stuff led me into to healing. The, the, the somatic stuff led me into the healing and then the cognitive stuff started to make sense after the yes. somatic stuff took root. Yes, 100%. Now, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's like, um, you know, all the things that you, you, you learn or you're here, like, oh, what you resist persists. You know, all these, uh, these uh, euphemisms, cool sayings, sayings that you've phrases. heard when you're grateful for what you, lo- what, you, yeah. uh, what you have, it turns into what you love. That all makes sense in an embodied way after you've done the like the somatic kind of when you've integrated your shadows and you've learned the skill of owning what you project of of integrating um whenever a trigger happens like it's it's there's a freedom and a strength that comes and a cognitive understanding that naturally comes after you stop talking and learn how to feel and that's the toughest thing that that if that if you haven't gone to if a counselor or a therapist hasn't actually done the physical like the somatic work of healing and they just have a cognitive understanding or they just done research they won't be able to guide you there unless they haven't walked it themselves and i think that's true and i think when you when you have healed from stuff yourself and you know because someone asked me the other day how do i know when you when i'm present and I said, well, I don't know that specifically. It's almost a philosophical, but I can tell you how you know you're not present is you're in your head. You know, when you know you're present when you're in your body, presence is kind of like this feeling like you're just all whole, you're all one. Whereas anxiety is a feeling like I'm stuck in my head and I can't get, I can't get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. Not only, do I, not only can't I get the fuck out of here, I'm terrified of leaving because it's so familiar. And one of the the weirdest things that uh, our students experience, this is, this is what it is, is that once we start working on healing uh, the root cause of it, after about three weeks, this is what I hear often with it, is like, 
okay, I'm having a problem. Yeah, what's the problem? Well, um, I don't have anxiety anymore and I, I don't have chaos in my life. And yeah, great, right. isn't that what we want? And, goes, and they say, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. I don't feel safe now. That is so weird. And it's almost like if you've been raised and you have this constant alarm ringing in the background, which yeah. is, let's say it's anxiety. That's what it anxiety actually is. You helped me see that. Um, then when you turn the alarm off, you've habituated to it. You don't know what life is like without it. So you don't actually feel safe without it. And yeah. so now you have this new problem to solve, which is to create safety in your body in feeling safe. And what a mind fuck that is. And then now you're yeah. like, what? I thought I had this bro. <laughs> and so you look, it's like institutionalization in the movie um, Shawshank Redemption. When that Brooks character yeah. as an old man gets released, he then goes out and, you know, thinks and considers going and committing a crime to get back into prison because that's all he's ever known. And anxiety works exactly the same way. Yeah. And then, you know, it, the other thing too is that you will replicate, you know, unconsciously what was familiar to you in childhood. So for me, chaos, because my father was schizophrenic, was the pattern. So basically that's how I replicated my early adulthood, which is create chaos. Because I was there, there's a, this strange wiring we have as human beings is that we equate familiarity with security. Yeah. So what was familiar, so even if you saw your parents like yelling and screaming at each other, there's kind of a perverse sense of security yeah. in that. And you will likely, you know, find a partner yeah. that you will yell and scream well, with too. Well, I remember my la my former partner, um, you know, I remember when we were kind of doing some healing work and everything and everything was kind of chill. And uh, I'm looking at her and she's anxious and I'm like, what's going on? And so she, I, I'm noticing her trying to pick a fight. Yeah. But by then I had learned how to regulate myself and I wasn't taking the bait yeah. like I used to. Uh, yeah. And I turned to her and I said, things are actually going really well. Are you trying to kind of start something? And she was like, fuck, maybe I am. And she just uh -huh. didn't really, she didn't really know what to do with a calm and secure type of state totally. because all she has known is chaos. And so when we don't really get this anxiety game right, our relationships don't work because it spills into our relationships. We will recreate these drama, trauma, reenact these trauma patterns and it spills into our relationships to the point where we say we want a secure relationship, but a secure partner shows up and then we get bored or we think there's something wrong or with them. Not, we're not attracted to Yeah, them. well, I'm just, ew, they're showing yeah. up for me. There's no yeah. longing. Ew, yeah. gross. Yeah. And that was me. That's why I really <laughs> love the wounded birds. Like I would never have seen somebody like as embodied and magnificent Diana. as Diana. I, know. I would have totally been like, oh my God, I'm so bored by that. Give me somebody completely chaotic to fix. And so that was a big part of my own. Uh, healing. And if we don't get this right and learn our insecure attachments take over and we just keep repeating them with the Same false thing. premises, with the false premises of, I want a real healthy relationship. But then yeah. when a healthy one comes in, we push it away or we fuck it all up, you know? It's unfamiliar. But yeah. FYI, if anybody hasn't done so already and you don't know what your attachment style is, it's a really great place that I began when I was kind of in my last breakup. I really found out what my attachment style was. That was the beginning of my search to find the answer so that I can go from toxic trauma bonded type of situation to being able to create and 
preserve and maintain a secure relationship, which is a work in progress through every conflict, through every challenge. Um, uh, please, if you haven't already, go ahead on my Instagram um, and go to the link in the bio and go to the attachment style quiz and fill out all of the questionnaire and you'll be able to know what your attachment style is. And, and then you'll receive like two or three trainings, video trainings on exactly what to do in your email of what to do, whatever, whether you're avoidant, whether you're anxious, attached or ambivalent, whether you're disorganized, you get to find out. Uh, I was an avoidant. I found that out and I said, all right, I'm going to carve a path to becoming this type of secure relationship. And then I was able to create and manifest a secure relationship. So I basically show you the path to doing that if you're interested. Um, and if you haven't already, make sure you get Dr. Russ's book, uh, Anxiety Rx. Do you, have a, do you have a question from the chat there? Yeah. So Janine says, how do we tap in and start dialogue with uh, the inner seven or eight-year-old child to release the feelings and explore them? Oh, yeah. That's just easy to just do by yourself. We can eh? do that on Clubhouse. <laughs> but, well, there's, there's, there's a few things you can do. You know, one of the things that I did with my child was because I went through this thing with my dad, and then I had a couple of grades in school where I was bullied, where I'd moved to a different place and I was bullied. And it was kind of like, so what I do with, with my child is I go, hey, it must have been really hard for you when you were bullied, you mm -hmm. know, in that grade. It must have been really difficult for you. And then see what, see what they say back. So I call it commiserating. It's basically, it must have been really hard for you when your parents went, when, you know, mom and dad went through that divorce. It must have been really hard for you when that boy broke up with you. You know, like, like just find something that, that, that hurt you in your past and see if you can start a dialogue because yeah. I, I call that commiserating and I find it, it's a fairly effective way of actually mm -hmm. connecting with that younger version of ourselves. My, my answer to that question is um, just to be real, you know, it's like a skill, kind of like you just asked the question, the same equivalent to your question. Uh, who was that? I'm not sure. What was her name? Janine. Janine. The same equivalent to your question is, all right, so how can I start playing the piano? And it's like, all right, so you just start playing the piano, but you don't know what to do. The best way is to have it to 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 have that connection guided. I sure as hell didn't just do it by myself. I was guided into it. So in the beginning, you don't have those neural networks, those neural connections of from your prefrontal cortex, your adult mind, to your child mind, which is in your amygdala. It's mostly unconscious. So because of this unconscious dynamic, it's kind of a fantasy to expect finishing this clubhouse for Janine to just sit down and close her eyes and start this new relationship with a part of herself she's never actually seen there's we don't even know it's really difficult yeah, to actually I don't know if we agree on that but i think that i think you can make you can make inroads to it maybe you can't to have it know, guide really, i mean yeah. you can and to have it guide just like you can learn to play the piano on your own wouldn't it make sense to have somebody like guide you there and to, you know, yeah. to, to walk yourself through, to walk you through that experience so that once you've made that connection, you now like, oh, this is what to recognize, answering questions, that kind of thing, so that you can then, it is your work to do, 100%, right. nobody can do it for you. Uh, but yet, you know, we got to understand we are we are uh, social creatures and our nervous systems do require uh, the, the social engagement system. So to be yeah. in a co community conversation, having that experience, 
sharing. Some people will share like, oh, I had trouble with that. That was really difficult. What do you do when that happens and the kid doesn't want to talk to you? Or what do you do when, you know, I can't see them or I feel anger and rage towards that child. What do I do? You've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. You now have a community of of people being able to help you with these scary first few steps. And that's why uh, it's important to find the right community to do that. And I agree with that. And then Janine sort of had a follow-up thing. When I try to dialogue, she just seems frozen from childhood violence. And feels compassion Bingo. for parents. Yeah. Do you want to come up, Janine? Do you want to, you know, chat with us, or would you rather just, you know, whatever is more comfortable for you to do it on, to do it on, uh, yeah, a chat. This because, is exactly yeah. why I created Breathwork and Badassery. I and yeah. originally did it for my own community. Like I, in my yeah. community, the people are in my container. We have this on a monthly basis. But what I've done is I've actually opened it up to the public now. So people who are wanting guidance and learning how to do it and going, you know, because it does get a little bit tricky uh, to have that experience of going in uh, and and practicing and then listening to other people's experiences and then sharing it and then doing breath work and then going in and that's another scary thing and can trigger some old stuff and uh, you know what to do with that and so it's like kind of like going into a well and peeling back the layers of an onion and every layer that we go through gets more information. That's quite a well that's full of onions. I, I, yeah, I exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Persians so love onions. Janine's, Janine's on stage now. Right? Hey, Janine, so Janine, thanks for your question. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Yeah. I would just say that, you know, I really felt like I had dealt with my childhood trauma because the type of therapy I did in my 20s and 30s was talk therapy. It was just strengthening yeah. my ego, etc. But then suddenly as a parent with Bingo. his son's illness due to anxiety that he got from my anxiety yeah. me from when he was young you know, due to the symptoms in him that are so extreme, I'm now re-traumatized. It's just so much trauma as a parent to witness severe symptoms. So now I'm faced with the trauma that I never really dealt with that I thought I dealt with. And I thought, oh, I'm over, you know, like, oh, I pushed through life. And I'm I'm truthful, I became a therapist, but it was so many years ago, it was a different type of therapy. So this is the question. Now I'm really faced, so I think I... I need to find a really good somatic therapist yeah. to help me through this. Yeah. yeah.
this is that there's definitely you know things that that can be done with that and of course uh not to discredit all of the talk therapy you did look at how much insight you gained you help people now right but I just want you to get that your life is like an, our lives are a hero's journey and we go through cycles again and again and consider the possibility, Janine, that you're experiencing this because it's part of your evolution of what you're offering the world. And so your son is your angel to help you connect with the parts of you that you haven't yet connected with. And that was my experience. I thought I had done all the work and then after my last breakup, boom, all of my shit came up. So I had to actually, I took a pause, got the right help and guidance. Russ was a big part of that. Um, And uh, Diana had a kid. Had a kid. (laughs) And now I've created a methodology that actually helps me whenever trigger comes up, I know exactly what to do to create the resolution with the younger parts of me that come up and own whatever the projections are. And I've kind of created a system and a community around other cycle breakers that are ready to to do that. And the best part of it is when you learn how to do that, you can actually teach this to your son. And that's yeah. that's, yes, that's and the I coolest thing. Because yeah. our kids will that. bring up our traumas. There's no two ways about that. They absolutely will. I see it will. as a teaching gem in a way that yeah. this came to me too. So that at the end of the day, when I come through it, I'll, I'll have so much more. I'll probably study somatic work now next yeah. and then bring that to my work. But yeah. anyway, for now, what is the best way to start? Let's just say if I don't have a somatic therapist. Come, show, up to show up tomorrow. Show up tomorrow to our breath work and bad. Yeah, show up yeah. to breath tomorrow. We're doing breath work and badassery for my community. The link is on my uh, thing. If you're really keen, okay. uh, it sounds like you're an action taker. Like I can tell by your voice, you're not like just kind of like pie in the sky. You're like, no, what do I do? I'm ready to do it. Yeah. Um, tomorrow uh, from noon to four Pacific time. So that's three to seven p.m. Eastern time, just leave space okay. afterwards, really commit to creating a, like, like create a container of time. Uh, and, and that's just about you connecting to you and take it like a, a like a ayahuasca journey. Uh, because, you know, whatever shows up is, is just information on what your next step is, right? So that's yeah. basically how you take it on. And and really receive like you're somebody who helps other people, right? So your biggest challenge will be my, like the same as my challenge when I show up at these types of things is like, Oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to use this to help others. It's like, no, 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 no. Just, just really just receive practice receiving oh, no. that. Does that resonate resonate for you, Janine? Oh yeah. I feel like my journey right now, actually I'm taking a break as a therapist and my journey right now is healing. Beautiful. I can relate. I did the same thing. And you, you have to, because you're human and, uh, you gotta, this is part of your next evolution. So my suggestion is really just receive tomorrow and you'll get information and what your next step will be right after that. Sounds great. And I go to your Instagram or just go to my, yeah, just go to my bio here and my Instagram's right there. And then the link in the bio is called breathwork and badassery and it's tomorrow. Thank you so much. How perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome, Jenny. So, so one of the things that I that I sort of have shared on Instagram a couple of days ago was just this process that I use uh, in the short term to kind of connect with my body, which is basically it's a it's a takeoff on the physiological side, which is the physiological side is two quick breaths in through your nose and then a slow breath out through your mouth. 
Yeah. Now I find that people with anxiety, they kind of their chest wall kind of crunches down. So what I get people to do is do three breaths in through your nose. And really expand, it really expands, so almost like your shoulders are moving apart because you're expanding your chest so much. And then hold your breath for about three to five seconds. And then breathe out through your teeth, making a hissing sound. And while you do that, imagine, imagine you're letting the air out of an inflated tire. So it's like this. Hold. And then... And I'll tell you, that little exercise that I kind of created has helped so many people, like just so many people, like when they're having a fight with their spouse or they're just about to go in and, and give a talk to someone or they're, you're, they're, you're going through some uncomfortable sort of process. There's something about that hissing sound and just imagining you're letting air out of an inflated tire that really does, you know, and you can also add, you know, like relaxing your jaw, relaxing your shoulders. But the thing is just really focus on that hissing sound like you really are letting letting the the pressure off your system mm, great call yeah i mean breathing and our relationship to our breath is really the first step right okay if you're dealing with anxiety you're dealing with anger what do we do well i just share you know especially in in the event tomorrow i share my journey is that how did I do it? It starts with your relationship with the breath. And if you are here in this room, there's a chance that you have a really weird relationship with your breath. If you're anything like me, let me know if you can re- relate to this. When you take a breath in, do you know, and, and like a deep breath in, do you notice a constriction in your chest? Do you notice mm-hmm. what the muscles that are called your intercostal muscles feeling tight? Like, like you're, I was like, shit, I've been holding my breath. Yes. And it's like, oh my gosh, I've spent, I'm 40, I was 43 years old at the time. I was like, oh my God, I'm 43 years old. And probably 90% of my life, I've been breathing at maybe 30% of my capacity. And what that does, because of that, that inhale, exhale relationship, inhale is receiving, exhale is giving. That inhale, exhale, the way we breathe is how we live. So if you're breathing, Inhale is effort, exhale is surrender. See this one-to-one ratio, give and receive, uh, effort and surrender is a rhythm, is a healthy, functional rhythm of life that if we don't follow that pattern of one part give, one part receive, one part give, one part um, uh, effort, one part surrender, then our bodies break down and we burn out. So, so our, 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 Breath is the link between our unconscious mind and our conscious. See how excited I get about talking Look about this. You're breathing, you're breathing shallow. <laughs> exactly. Now. You're no, no, but excited it's excited about this. It's like that our, our relationship to our breath is our relationship to life itself. So for me to change my experience with anxiety had me practicing and observing and practicing my relationship with my breath. So the yes. try it, everybody. And even if you make a noise like that, like that does that stimulate the recurrence. Exactly, the vagus nerve. Yeah, the and so, so the vagus in that breathwork and badassery, it's kind of like my journey of teaching people how I healed from anxiety, and I continue to, uh, you know, up level my relationship to anxiety and alarm 
by consistently bringing myself back to that one-to-one ratio. So imagine a room full of people where we're all kind of practicing that conscious connected breath and seeing how unconscious we can kind of fall back on. And this was the beginning. This is a skill. Healing anxiety is a skill. It's not something that Dr. Russ or Dr. Nima can do for you. It's a skill that you learn like learning a new language and it does begin with the breath. So that's why uh, we created, you know, our offering so that people can actually learn how to do it. Yeah. Because the, the breath is the only real conscious connection that we have to our autonomic nervous system. You know, we can't control our blood pressure. We can't control our heart rate. I mean, some yogis can do that. But mm-hmm. but it's really the only conscious connection we have to that parasympathetic, you know, rest and digest and the sympathetic fight or flight. And it really is like that's one of the things that someone asked me about presence. You know, they said to I said, the other thing you can do is like see where your breath is. Mm-hmm. You know, just focus on your breath. And when you focus on your breath, it will naturally deepen, which just shows you the the cognitive control that gets exerted over your breath. Like the the fact that you're you're ruminating and your mind is going a mile a minute, your breath will start to replicate that. Yeah. So and vice versa. So if you make your breath you know, and the, this slow contracted kind of, or slow um, withdraw in, withdraw out kind of thing, it will uh, exert that effect on your mind as well. Yeah. And you'll notice that. And, and we notice that for sure. It's the but link. Again, again, you know, it's that if, if, if chaos was familiar to you, you will breathe shallowly in order that you will create this negative kind of um, mm-hmm. ruminative thought pattern mm-hmm. that doesn't allow you to relax. Yeah. So, you know, you have to consciously take control over it and start to breathe in a way that allows you to actually see that what you're thinking of isn't accurate. What, it, how you're, you're in survival yeah. mode, you're, not ac- you're looking for threat, you're not actually looking for the positive of what life gives you. You're the goodness. looking for threat. You're yeah. looking for threat. And you'll totally. find Totally. And the breath is the link, is your link between, like Russ just shared, is our link between our conscious and our unconscious mind. So you've all been breathing during in this, uh, while you're sitting here listening to, to us, you know, chatting away. But the second that you start paying attention to it, you've now made an unconscious uh, function of the body conscious. And now you can maneuver it. And that's how healing trauma actually works. That's why breath work is so critical because it's an exercise of making the unconscious conscious. Healing our trauma is about making the unconscious conscious again and again and again. Creating a successful life, creating a life of your own design involves taking all of our past lens that we view the world unconsciously and continuously again and again and again, bringing it back into a conscious lens and then choosing again. So this breath work is just a neural exercise. Not only does it help us release anger, release grief, release rejection, release abandonment, all the things we've been carrying with us, especially in this post-COVID world, mm-hmm. we, get, we have an opportunity to really grant ourselves the space and the container to just release it. Uh, but it's a, a chance to, for us to connect with others and co-regulate and to deepen our relationship with our unconscious selves and so that we can then create conscious 
awareness so that we can create our worlds rather than be kind of victims, victims of, of victims yeah. of circumstance. I love that. For so sure. that's, it's so powerful. How does, how did it all begin? It began with my relationship with my breath and I'm here uh, sharing that because that was part of my journey and that's why I opened that up to the public yeah. and it's so fun to lead so, and guide people into that. Bora asked again, please, can you repeat where we can take the attachment? It, it's question? all on my, um, it's all on my Instagram. If you go on my Instagram, you go to Dr. the link. Dr. Nima? Yeah, at Dr. Nima. You can just, if you're tapping my, um, my thing. Uh, tapping your thing, my just God. Tap my thing. Getting... Oh, I knew that would okay. trigger your dirty, dirty mind. So if you go well, on to my, um, my description there, there's a, uh, my Instagram, Dr. Nima, you tap on that and then uh, you go to my bio and then you go to the link in my bio and then see the attachment style quiz there. And then the breathwork and badassery is there as well so that you can participate and get the whole process begun. It's only a beginning. It's There's no finish line. I'm still learning new shit every week about myself as I tap inward and healing i want i want to put everyone at ease cuz most people are like is it going to work for me did it yeah, work for yeah. me did it work it's kind of like saying you know like when we go into outer space there's no end to going into outer space and discovering new planets and solar systems and galaxies yeah. there's just no limit there's never going to be a time when we're like oh i've finally gotten reached to the end of my exploration yeah, in outer space. To boldly go where no one has gone exactly. before. Exactly. Our inner space exploration works the same way. So the deeper that we go inside, I'm still learning about myself and I'm oh, here yeah. my journey to the till I take my very last breath will be to continuously have my past showing up in my face as an opportunity as a spiritual practice to love these parts of myself. And, and that's what the skill is that, that we're offering that people learn so that we can navigate this thing called life in a much more enjoyable way rather than suffering through it. Yeah, and that's what's available so not, to us. So we're not ruled by our unconscious programming. Because that's, that's what I think happens when you're a child, <laughs> you get trauma Caleb. that's too much for your little, your trauma that's just too much for your little mind to bear. So you stuff it down into the unconscious. Avoiding it. Yeah, and because the body is a representation of the unconscious mind, we can use the body as a way of really accessing those programs, those unconscious programs that are ruling us and getting into the same room with them and being able to actually have some agency in them as opposed to just talking to these unconscious programs, um, which has very little... Or, or very recognizing little them and talking, yeah. oh, it's my unconscious program, but doing nothing yeah. about it, avoiding actually dealing with it, thinking that you're actually healing it, uh, or avoiding it altogether because you're too scared, thinking you're, you're sparing yourself, but in reality, it's in your freaking face every day. We can't avoid it. Yeah, We cannot avoid it. At some point, if we keep avoiding it our kids start to display it and we want and on some level we want to, to maintain this dysfunction because this dysfunction was normal in our childhood and whatever's normal in your childhood kept you'll you alive yeah and 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 you'll unconsciously replicate that in your adulthood freud mm -hmm. called it the repetition compulsion and you know that's what i tell people i said what was the what was the dominant pattern 
in your childhood mine was chaos and how mm-hmm. how are you repa- how are you replaying that chaos yeah. in your adult trauma life? reenactment I you're ask pulled. myself that every day yeah. what am i doing what am i doing to re uh, to reestablish chaos in my life unconsciously unconsciously yeah, so absolutely. that so that when we can make the unconscious conscious like our breath we can then choose again and so healing trauma is about making the unconscious conscious and it's about individuating the word is from uh, borrowed from Carl Jung. Carl Jung is about individuating from our parents and becoming adults from the little children that we get stuck in that even though we're adults and we have our own kids, we still behave like little children because we still haven't kind of broken free from that. And so all of our work and no one can do it for us. We can get really good guides that are going to help us do it, but it's our own journey as individuals uh, not a therapist's job to rescue you, not a psychologist or anything. It's our job, but to find the right guide, the right right guides, the right community, um, the right modalities to move us into a place where here's the goal. I feel safe in my body. Yeah. I can look in a mirror and say, you know what? I think, you know, you got some angry parts. You got some parts I was ashamed of, but I, I have compassion towards them now. I'm talking to myself in a much more compassionate way. I'm not beating the ever-loving shit out of myself every day like yeah. I used to. I can take, here's the key. This is this is the one hallmark of your progress is you're able to handle critical feedback. <laughs> this yeah. is where everybody sucks. People yeah, yeah. people suck at that. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week in our, in our Cycle Breakers program. But because this is a really good telltale sign is how do you, how well do you handle critical feedback oh you always criticize me is there yeah. anything good you have to say it's like really how do you you know because it we take it as rejection and and our ego doesn't like that but if we don't learn how to kind of navigate that then we can't have secure relationships because it involves getting real and going you know it doesn't feel good sometimes when my wife is you know at times when she's saying you know my needs haven't been getting met in one two three four five different ways and i gotta sit there and actually listen and have her feel heard and that doesn't feel good to my ego so so to for me because i'm committed to a secure relationship i had to really heal my relationship to criticism and feedback and all that stuff so that's really important take a a beat that's the thing it's like so often when when someone's saying something that you it it may actually not even be criticism but you perceive it as such you will go into that survival physiology so what i was saying earlier is like can you move into that criticism can you see how that criticism is actually valid can you see where it's yeah where is it true Ooh, that's a good one so so then you can you know you can create that endogenous morphine yeah you can create that dopamine me because you're actually moving towards towards what, you what you've been running from withdraw from yeah. and as soon as you withdraw from something and this is so important in partner relationships mm-hmm. as soon as one person starts to withdraw they will secrete this chemical <laughs> that goes out into the field and then both partners get sucked into it and right. then the fight goes on right so if you can just i'm glad you that, said that yeah and that's why i have this picture of cynthia when she's like eight years old you know because it's like that's often and she has this picture of me when i'm like seven or eight years old too it's like that's who she's dealing with right now yeah seven-year-old me and if she can if you can look at your partner like this is set i'm dealing with seven-year-old cynthia right now Mm -hmm. so it's like then you can be so much more compassionate when Mm -hmm. you see them as a child as opposed to someone who's kind of going you know you didn't mow the lawn again yeah you know yeah seeing them as your mother 
Well, that's another one. Exactly. Too, but, yeah. So you're that's, seeing yeah. them as their child rather than seeing them as your mother. That's a huge distinction. Yeah. And this takes work to, to get to that place. But um, that by, by doing that and really integrating all of that, I was able to do something that I was never able to do before, which is to Same be able to contain a secure relationship. I mean, I was divorced nine failed relationships later until I finally said, fuck it. Like, all right, there's a common denominator here. I'm going to, I'm going to do something really uncomfortable. I'm going to stop pointing fingers and blaming and diagnosing and labeling other people mm -hmm. as the problem because they have this, da, 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 which we hear all the time with people. Yeah. And I'm just going to look and find myself, not to blame myself. This isn't a blame game. I don't want to blame them or blame me. I just, there's no one to blame because we're all, these are generations old and we, nobody gets together by accident. We get together so yeah. that we can have our wounds show up as an opportunity either to heal or repeat the pattern again and again. I kept repeating until we it, get it until we get it, until <laughs> I got it and I'm getting it daily. Yeah. Um, it's a work in progress. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching it to people. And so are you. Me too. Me too. So I don't think there's anyone else to talk to. Any today, other so, questions yeah, before I mean, we log off up? today? Was this useful? Would you? Was this useful for anyone? I'm wondering if anybody had got any use out of this. The chat. One or two of you, I hope. Cool. We'll get. Well, if you didn't, I sure as heck did because I Me love too. hanging out with always, my buddy, with my too. buddy um, Russ. And, and we get to hang out for four days. In yeah. July. Oh, and, and you know what I wanted to say, by the way, just before, before uh, there's somebody in the audience, her name is Jane. So I just tapped on her, her, um, her kind of profile there. Everybody, wow. everybody look at Jane, tap on her lovely profile, that cute little dog, that dog in Jane's dog is literally my dog, Lucy, who we just put down like six, mm. seven months ago. My dog looks exactly like her and oh, i'm just okay. missing her right you see her it says good yeah. morning this day is beautiful so are you jane i'm you're you're making you're making me want to cry because my lucy is watch that out it, he'll kidnap her that's ex yeah just keep her away from me but so uh jane your dog is literally a spitting image of my dog a maltese poodle who we i had to put down just just in the last year or so hard uh, yeah, that just came up. I didn't want to you know, no, just well, just yeah. just wanted to just bring up what just came emotions, up for me. Man. Yeah, so I'm gonna spend some moments thinking of her fondly. If and nobody else has any questions, uh, feel free sending. If something spoke to you, send me a DM or send yeah, either yeah, of us too. a DM. Uh, let us know what spoke to you. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I appreciate all the peeps messaging me. Hey, Nima, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm yep. doing great. Thank you. If you have anything, <laughs> if you have anything you, you, uh, that yeah. spoke to you, or you have questions or you, uh, I do, uh, you know, we wanted to give you all we had in the, in this hour and a bit there, if you want more, uh, my, my recommendation to you is to actually be an action taker, take action and move towards your healing. Uh, there are amazing, uh, tools out there just showing up on a clubhouse isn't, you know, is, is, is a great start. It's not going to cut it. Uh, taking action and finding a guide, finding a community that really is committed to giving you the tools to become your own medicine rather than a guru that thinks yeah. that they have it all. You have the answers. It's just, we just lose touch and access with our own inner voice luckily you can find it starting with your breath starting with your shadow starting with the younger parts of yourself so make sure you take action and and, and learn how to break the cycle
Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, people say oh, I have a hard time loving yourself, loving myself. And, it, and I, 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 I think that's true and I don't think that's true. I think what happens is we grow up into an environment that makes a lot of blocks to loving ourselves. And I think, you know, what you and I both do is we show people where the blocks to loving themselves. Yeah. And that's when you get the, that's when you become this sort of wholeness and mm. the healing and that kind of thing comes from it. Because it's really about finding the blocks to loving yourself mm-hmm. and, and finding the, the judgments that you have on yourself and how shame. you blame and shame yourself, yeah. you know, how you block yourself from, from connecting with yourself. Yeah. And how and, that's and been really, conditioned. Yeah, of course. And it, and, and, and some level there's a familiarity with that, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. familiarity almost, well, it does make us worse. It makes yeah. us more, makes us more uh, fearful. It makes us more survival based and it, and it makes us look preferentially for threat in yeah. life. Yeah. You know, life is in your body. Life is in the feeling. It's not in the Inside thinking. of your skin. Yep. And then when you get into trauma, typically what happens is that trauma gets rooted in your body. So what you do is you retreat into your head and you ruminate and you become hypervigilant and there's no life up there. And like you do talk therapy to try to make sense of it, but it doesn't address sense. what's happening internally with those younger parts. Which makes sense to your head, you know, because, you know, and it gives it that, that, that excuse to stay in your head because you're doing this talk therapy. But really, you know, both Nima and I know that, that you really have to get into your body. Yeah, and oftentimes like, these talk therapies and telling the story is a way of avoiding the real work. And it can be re-traumatizing <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, 100%. Know? So, so I, mean, I think you have to have this, this safe platform in your body, which is why, you know, do breath work tomorrow. Go to, go to breath work and badassery tomorrow. Like, do breath work. Get into your body and that, because that's the place, the foundation that you're going to be able to heal from. You're mm. not going to create a foundation in your mind to heal. Yeah. Your mind is your mind actually is going to make you worse. Yeah. So get into your body first, regulate in your body, get a platform in your body to heal, and then the stuff that your mind creates like we were saying earlier, then it has a platform to sit in as opposed to just trying to fix it through your mind, which is virtually impossible. Yeah, and the link is in my bio on Instagram because I have a couple questions. It's in the bio on Insta- my uh, Instagram. Um, and it's conscious connected breathing. So it's not the holotropic like <laughs> right. hyperventilating type of thing, which I've done and I've had great use for. But what I really like is the gentle conscious connected breathing. And so you're retraining your body in how to receive through your breath. And so it's it's not going to be mastered in one session. It's a lifelong thing. I do I do myself. I do breath work once a month because mm-hmm. I work with trauma, right? So yeah. people who work in the trauma field, doctors, you know, ambulance, first responders, people like us, coaches, um, we're wise to actually you know, become our own medicine as well. So um, because I do, I don't, like I get my my students to do all of the things that I myself am doing for my own system. So it's a once a month event that I kind of guide in with some training about the nervous system and then some inner child work and then the breath work. So it's a, it's kind of like a four or five hour event that really you leave there going, wow, like, I've never felt so connected to myself. Yeah. And, if you're having a stressful time in life right now, definitely consider doing it because it really does sort of put a reset on it and it does show you that that peace is available. And I think that we resist that because of this whole sort of... On the other side of going into our feelings. Peace yeah. is available, but we must go into the anger and the grief first 
and yeah. feel and alchemize that. And on the other side of that, kind of like puking, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, I want to, uh, you know, you puke, it's scary to vomit, right? You don't want to do it the minutes before, feel terrible. Right. But after it's done, you just have this relief. People say it's like a psychedelic experience without drugs, yeah. you know, or 20 and, years and of therapy in an afternoon. Relatively gentle too. Like it's not like, you know, breath work's gonna bring up a whole lot of old trauma. Like that that can happen, but it's really rare. It's just a nice kind of introduction to how can I regulate my body? Mm-hmm. How can I actually feel especially if you're having a really rough time right now? Mm-hmm. Like consider going in and doing breath work and badassery because it really does it really does help regulate that system and it gives your unconscious mind, you know, like even though I've been, you know, at loose ends for the last three weeks. Here's a place for two or three hours at least yeah. after that you can see that, you know, you can see the other side. You can see that your body actually can regulate. And, and just that's why the, it's so important. And just the action of you carving out like four or five yeah. hours for yourself receiving. Receiving. to receive yeah. is in and of itself an act of self-love. This is like yes. the greatest self-love that you can give when you're just giving, 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 making everybody else's problems a priority. It's hard for people to go, well, I can't give that much time for, for sure. myself. That's selfish. Well, doing that uncomfortable act of making that priority time for yourself to love yourself might be difficult, but doing that is the embodiment of self-love. That is the work. So there's so many tools you learn. It's so much value. There's co-regulation. You know, the music is really cool and dramatic. And so I really love um, guiding people to, 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 to find safety in their emotions like anger, like grief. And on the other side of that, there's joy. On the other side of that, there's peace. People just want peace without the conflict. People want safety without, people want bravery without the fear. Well, sorry, honey, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) You can't, I want to heal from my, I want to, I want to heal from my uh, problem, my my anxiety and being in elevators. Just don't put me into an elevator. Well, sorry, honey, it doesn't work that way. But we work you into that and breathwork and badassery is a great place to start. Absolutely. Okay, my friend. Thanks, brother. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you all for being here. Let me know if you all have any questions and we'll see you. Yes, Caleb, thank you for being there. Um, And we'll see you next time. See you at the next perfect time.